Welcome to our weekly classified Grayman Intelligence audio brief. Over the next few minutes, Wesley from Super SE is going to share with you the most important survival intelligence stories that have occurred over the past week from the Grayman briefing. This timely and concise reporting will help you to stay sharp and be well ahead of the knowledge curve so that you can be better prepared for what's coming down the road. All right, Wes, take it away. All right. Thanks, David. So we'll get right into the brief. From the Gray Man Briefing, this is a weekly recap of news and developments for your situational awareness, as always, with the bottom line up front. This week's briefings will cover January 4th until January 10th. Let's do it. Supply Chain Briefing. Bottom line up front is gas is going to get up to $7 in some cities this year. There is already a distilled water shortage, and beef, eggs, lettuce, canned dog food, OJ, and a lot of other grocery products are expected to see a shortage this year. So experts in the energy industry have projected that there's going to be a nationwide average of $4 per gallon of gasoline in 2023, and of course they're saying that that means it's going to top $7 in some major cities. Analysts say the price increases due in part to China's economy opening back up, you know, with the whole COVID zero policy thing being kind of over, um, along with uh, winter weather, which means increased demand, and other expected disruptions to U.S. refineries. So moving over to distilled water, there's been at least a number of isolated cases of distilled water um, being difficult to locate um, since 2017. But nothing major. It's kind of like just kind of spotty in certain regions for a couple of weeks at a time. Um, late last year, we finally started seeing some mainstream media uh, news outlets cover the t- distilled water shortages. And now we, through OSINT and spot check analysis, um, we've seen reports of empty shelves of distilled water in southwest Wisconsin, central Indiana, west Ohio, west Texas, Uh, parts of Montana, Florida, and uh, the northern area of Minnesota. On Amazon right now, you can get a gallon of distilled water. It's still in stock, but it's $22 for one gallon of water. Um, If you find it in the stores, the prices are going anywhere between $2.14 to $6.75. And we expect the prices to continue to go up and we're expecting to see more increase an increased number of these isolated cases of shortages of distilled water i don't i don't project you to not be able to get distilled water like if you actually really need it you'll be able to find it somewhere at a grocery store odds are it's there right now it's just you're not seeing shelves stocked with it in a lot of places so if you need it for your cpap machine your baby formula you may want to look into stocking up a little bit or distill, distill water yourself. Not that difficult. Look it up. It's a great uh, piece of knowledge for your, your toolkit. And without getting into the, the kind of the why this is happening, just for your situational awareness, um, experts and analysts have projected there's going to be a shortage and or increase in prices in the following items. And I'll just kind of spill them out for you. 
beef, champagne, lettuce, eggs, canned foods, and drinks. This is everything from canned vegetables, soda, beer, dog food, fruit, spam, chicken noodle soup, you name it. Um, also sunflower, palm oil, wheat products, and baked goods. So things like uh, loaf bread, whole wheat tortillas. Uh, also corn products, corn flour, chips, cereals, anything that uses corn, um, and orange juice and barley. So spot check prices and stock supplies in these specific categories as the needs and availability allow. Many of these, uh, many of these expected disruptions affect food and can be easily stored for long-term uh, usage. Uh, not everything you're going to be able to store up. Like, I mean, we, the things we've named like lettuce and stuff, it's just there's not a lot of these things you're not going to be able to store up in bulk quantities so just be aware that there may be these shortages and if some of them are necessary to your diet or for whatever other reasons you know maybe your dog only eats canned food uh, make those those precautionary steps right now infrastructure brief so I can't recall if I mentioned this last week, it was right around the time we were recording the podcast, but two of those suspects out in Washington State that were involved in the four substation attacks, uh, they've been arrested. The FBI used uh, surveillance footage and cell phone records to identify the suspects, and they, they as in the FBI, has said that the motive of these two suspects was to disrupt power, this is quote, to disrupt power to commit a burglary. At, a, at a, you know another location and according to the Department of Energy and some OSINT analysis it looks like there's been over 24 forms of physical attacks and 50 or more vandalisms to the electrical infrastructure in 2022 so in total 123 hostile events occurred this includes uh, cyber attacks trespassing suspicious activity all things done to the power grid last year Okay, civil unrest and general strikes here in the U.S. So on January 8th, uh, nearing the end of that day, we were looking at possibly 42,000 nurses going on strike in New York City. Uh, agreements were made with most of these uh, these different nurses and healthcare workers in the area. However, those working at two or three hospitals there in the Bronx and Manhattan unable to reach an agreement. So 7,000 nurses did end up walking off the job and. Uh, joining the picket line. The New York City Office of Emergency Management has been working to try to fill those gaps. Uh, basically this is because nurses for a couple years now have been severely understaffed and they say that they're underpaid and these 7,000 nurses uh, did not like the offered 19% pay increase uh, so they uh, went on strike about 7,000 of them on Monday. So in, also in New York, the New York anarchist Black Cross, they've called for rallies at all jails. So even though it's based out of New York, they're calling for these rallies across the nation. Um, their main event took place at New York's NBC in Brooklyn, um, and they're protesting against what they call the prison industrial complex. Antifa-related organizations along with Black Cross are calling for actions in solidarity with their imprisoned quote, comrades. They've asked protesters to get, quote, rowdy. In recent protests, um, they've called out the release of forced, the release of forced defenders, looters, and demonstrators. Critical Resistance, uh, another grassroots prison abolishment activist group, is also heavily involved, um, and they organized an event on January 12th. 
in Sacramento, California. So the gist of it is these people don't want people in prison. They don't believe in the concept of the correctional system and they've gone outside of jails and all but rioted. They're, they're out there with fireworks and noisemakers and um, just yelling for their comrades to be released. Uh, separately, there was a little bit of animal activism going on in Beverly Hills, California. Uh, not a whole lot of people showed up, but those that did, they blocked the entrance to a high-end fashion store that I suppose was selling furs. Um, these protesters carry signs that said, quote, fur kills. They chanted on loudspeakers. Uh, it looked like the police response was actually a larger number than the number of protesters that actually showed up for it. Back in New York, in Queens, uh, Proud Boy members and Antifa militia clashed during a protest and counter-protest of a drag show story hour. So again, more protests going on uh, related to drag shows as, you know, the Proud Boys and a lot of decent people are against the concept of promoting this to children and inviting children into these drag events where um, men are half-covered and or not even half covered or basically naked. So anyway, at this event, one Antifa member was arrested. Um, there was two like super close nearby arson events, including the burning of a vehicle. Members of Patriot Front, we'll move on. Members of Patriot Front in North Dakota, they broke into and reprogrammed some street signs, you know, those little electronic uh, signs on the side of the road. They put in their website address on the sign. Um, they also vandalized with graffiti stencils a number of buildings there in North Dakota. So we recently um, hit the two-year anniversary of January 6th and there were at least 20 uh, different anniversary rallies that were planned on that day on January 6th of this month. Uh, the majority of these that we've seen public, publicly promoted, they reflect opposition to those events that happened on January 6th, 2021. The rallies are composed mostly of left and far left activists who are calling for Democrats to be elected in upcoming elections in order to avoid the uh, what they call MAGA's attempt to organize investigations that, quote, could overturn the 2020 election. Uh, rally organizers say that, quote, Trump and extreme Republican politicians continue to spread false claims about the 2020 election results and undermine our Constitution and prepare to launch a sham investigation into the January 6th committee so that they can stay in power to push their unpopular agenda, end quote. So most of these anti-MAGA rallies, they were scheduled through in the afternoon at various state capitals uh, and some courthouses in a lot of different states. Uh, the only major event we saw uh, that was kind of, I wouldn't say pro-MAGA, but wasn't in opposition to the January 6th events, um, was a, a couple of events scheduled actually back at the Capitol and at the U.S. Supreme Court, including a tribute to Ashley Babbitt um, and also an event titled the D.C. Gulag Candlelight Vigil. Um, the event was being called the Restore the Republic Rally, and in all their, pro their protests, not protests, but in all their posters we saw, um, they had wording that said, quote, peaceful protest, no violence, no law breaking. Uh, you may have heard that Ashley Babbitt's mother uh, was arrested. Uh, basically, she was doing a, a tribute or remembrance of her daughter who, who was unarmed and shot that day while she was trying to break into the Capitol. 
she was told by police to get off the road, that she wasn't allowed to protest on the road, and she was told to protest on the sidewalk, and she refused. She's out there with a bunch of other people, um, and so she was arrested for standing in the road when being advised to, to not protest in the road and block traffic. So with that, we will transition into our government overreach and oversight briefing. So after that, January 6th committee completed their investigation uh, just a couple of weeks before the end of 2022. Uh, the committee published a cache of uh, related documents um, through the government publishing office or the GPO. So they were making these all these their evidence transparent to the public by uploading it to the internet so everyone could see it. But among these documents that were uploaded was a spreadsheet um, and on that spreadsheet was social security numbers to about 1,900 citizens. And these were people who uh, they were investigating or people that were called up for testimony. Um, but they, they say they, quote, inadvertently basically doxed uh, 1,900 people uh, that they had been looking into. And this included Texas Governor Greg Abbott, um, the South Carolina's, South Carolina's governor, um, the former Health and Human Services Secretary, uh, a number of judges appointed by uh, former President Trump, including members of his uh, presidential cabinet, uh, a lot of his a lot of his allies, and if I didn't mention it before, South Dakota's governor, uh, Christy Noem. So once it was found out the spreadsheet was in there, they've obviously taken that section down, so it's no longer being publicly publicly hosted by the GPO, but all that information is already out there. So. The committee just stocks 1,900 people. And House Republicans have uh, finally picked a speaker, and the Republican majority of the House of Representatives has announced uh, the formation of the Weaponization of Federal Government Select Committee. Uh, this is likely going to investigate a range of government agencies and entities for wrongdoing uh, related to that investigation into January 6th and President Trump. Uh, the committee or other pending committees that are going to be formed will likely investigate the FDA, CDC, and DOJ involvement in COVID-19 vaccine mandates, the whole labeling of parents um, as domestic terrorists, violations of various civil liberties, and cover-ups of Hunter Biden's criminal activity. Uh, moving on, uh, classified documents including top-secret SCI uh, documents were found in President Biden's office at the Penn Biden Center. Uh, they were said to be in a locked closet. They were found in November. They were reported to NARA, that's the National Archives and Record Administration. Looks like there was maybe around 10 uh, classified documents. They're going to be from when Biden was vice president. Uh, they're documents that were removed from government offices and moved to Biden's private offices. And, you know, it's not in a government secure area. It's just his private offices there at uh, Penn Biden Center. And we were just made aware of that, of, of all this this week. Um, it happened just a few days before the midterm elections. So the obvious parallels here are with those classified documents that Trump had at Mar-a-Lago. Trump says that, you know, as president, he was able to declassify them. He says he declassified them and was working with NAR to turn them back in. Um, Trump actually respond, responded to this. He said, when is the FBI? 
going to raid the many homes of Joe Biden, perhaps even the White House, these documents were definitely not declassified. Biden's responded and he says that he didn't know what he didn't know the documents were there and he doesn't know the content of the documents. All right, let's jump up north to Canada. The uh, Public Health Agency of Canada has issued over, or this is according to the Public Health Agency of Canada, uh, Canada has issued over 14 million in fines to Canadian citizens who violated COVID-19 health restrictions in 2022. Most of these fines were primarily given to travelers who were required to follow those testing and quarantine rules. Um, and they were dependent upon their vaccination status. So Canada tracked compliance through the public health information available on that app, that phone app, Arrive Can. Uh, between January and August of 2022, there were 3,500 tickets issued. And from 2020, from the year 2020 up until August of last year, there were 19,000 tickets issued. Um, and that's estimated to be about 40 million in fines given to citizens for you know not wearing a mask or something. Okay, national security briefing. So, of course, this is the week that uh, President Biden, for the first time as president, has gone to the southern border. A couple of days before that, um, Arizona settled with the Department of Justice and agreed to take down that border wall, that improvised wall that they'd created mainly out of Connex containers, shipping containers. Uh, so they have already begun the deconstruction of Border Patrol's uh, Yuma, Yuma sector wall. Of course, the outgoing governor was really pushing for this and trying to keep this wall up to stop the, the flow of illegals coming in. Um, that outgoing governor, Republican, who was a Republican Ducey, he said that the removal of the wall could cause, quote, the cartels and individuals from around the world to see it as an invitation to crash our border and, and enable smuggling and narcotic smuggling uh, to escalate and destabilize the area to a point where it's dangerous for the citizens of Yuma. Um, that's in quote. So private uh, farm, farmers have been hiring private security because these the, the flow of immigrants here in this Yuma area is just so massive that they're literally just stomping through farmers' fields and destroying crops. Um, separately, the incoming governor, Governor Hobbs, a Democrat, um, she called the the wall a quote political stunt and quote waste of taxpayer dollars. She's also deleted all these press releases that Governor Ducey had on his website that showed you know the cost of the wall, uh, the number of immigrants coming in, uh, all that data she's deleted off the website. Um, and now moving on, Biden visited the border um, upon his arrival. Texas Texas's governor handed hand delivered Biden a letter and in that letter he pointed out a five point plan uh, to kind of solve the ongoing border crisis and I'll just touch on a couple of those for you well you know what I'll just I'll summarize all five of them for you so basically uh, in his letter he said that President Biden should number one in the practice of unlawfully paroling aliens in mass number two implement the remain in Mexico policy and retain Title 42 expulsions. Number three, prosecute illegal entry points. Um, so what I'm trying to say, he said, prosecute those entries, uh, those illegal entries, um, and also allow ICE to remove illegal immigrants. Number four, resume construction of the border wall using already congressionally appropriated funds. And finally, he said that Biden should designate Mexican drug cartels as foreign terrorist organizations. 
Okay, our Second Amendment briefing. I'm just going to touch on three things here, a couple of uh, state and one national. Um, so let's start in New York. So New York has asked the Supreme Court to overrule lower courts and enable their gun laws that they've tried to enact. Um, basically, they filed an opposition brief with SCOTUS, um, and they've asked for relief from that stay that was issued uh, for the preliminary injunction that blocked parts of the New York gun law. Um, so it blocked that social media surveillance and it blocked bans on carrying in private businesses. So the New York Attorney General has now requested that SCOTUS lift that block so that the Concealed Carry Improvement Act, all those measures can go back into effect, um, including those sensitive locations at churches, theaters, parks, and Times Square. And moving over to Illinois, uh, the House has progressed a gun bill that bans uh, magazines that carry more than 12 rounds of ammunition. Um, it also forms an ATF strike team, um, and it bans gun parts that allow, uh, that they say that allows a gun to become automatic, or in their words, you know, an assault rifle. The bill known as the Pro Protect Illinois Community Act, uh, it's going to give, it's going to give folks 90 days for some to, to basically fall in line and get rid of their magazines. Um, and it'll give 300 days uh, for citizens to comply with other parts of the law or they just automatically become felons. So if you have a 20 round magazine and you don't turn it in or get rid of it in 90 days, you become a felon if this, uh, this bill comes into play and is passed. And probably the biggest thing in the past week, talking on a national scale, an appeals court has struck down that ATF rule that banned bump stocks. So the 5th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals struck down tr the Trump-era ATF ban. Yes, Trump was behind that one. This ban came right after those, uh, the mass shooting there in Las Vegas in 2017. In this new ruling, uh, the court said that, quote, the fact remains that only one bullet is fired each time the shooter pulls the trigger, end quote. And, quote, uh, we should feel deep discomfort at allowing an agency to define the very criminal rules it will enforce by implicit des uh, delegation. Such a delegation turns the normal construction of criminal statutes upside down, replacing the doctrine of lenity with the doctrine of severity." End quote. They further said that the National Firearms Act and Gun Control Act did not give fair warning that the possession of a non-mechanical bump stock is a crime. Basically, they said the ATF, who's going to be enforcing these, just can't make up a rule and redefine something to make it illegal. And so it's been overturned. It's been struck down. So I'm pulling this one from our government oversight overreach briefing, but I wanted to end with it. So the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission, a federal agency, is now targeting gas stoves and ovens. They want to ban them. They say that they release methane, um, that they're damaging the climate and degrading indoor air quality. They further noted that the EPA and the World Health Organization say that these emissions are unhealthy and unsafe for both people and the environment. And the commissioner, uh, Biden appointed commissioner for the CPSC or the, the Product Safety Commission, he says that, quote, any option is on the table. Products that can't be made safe can be banned. And they said that the ban is, quote, a real possibility and that he quote hopes to have a regulation on the books before in quote uh, what he was saying before December 2023 so yeah they're they're trying to possibly ban 
um, gas stoves now. The Biden administration had urged homeowners to go electric uh, for their cooking and heating needs. Um, in 2021, he signed an executive order calling for 100% in carbon pollution-free electricity, or CFEs, by 2030. Um, the infrastructure bill that was passed last year, a part of it under the U.S. Department of Energy, will award states, tribes, and territories that ban natural gas appliances with grants using a, a $3.1 billion fund through the Weatherization Assistance Program. A lot of cities have jumped on this to get these grants, including Los Angeles, Seattle, and New York. While a number of uh, primarily re Republican-controlled states, uh, 20 of them, have uh, enacted preemption laws that will block states or that would block cities within their state from banning gas appliances. So the CPSC has said this could happen by December of this year. So just make preparations if you are, are, are reliant on it for heating and cooking. If you want to abide by the law or unable to find a workaround to keep natural gas and you know get propane tanks um, to continue your way of life. You may want to take uh, steps right now to come up with some alternatives for staying warm and cooking food. So that's it. I will leave you with that. This is Wes from Super SE reading and commentating for the Gray Man Briefing for this week. You guys take care. So before we head out of here, let us know what you think of these briefs by emailing us at help at ultimatesurvivaltips.com or you can contact us through our website and the home base for this podcast, ultimatesurvivaltips.com. If you'd like to be even further ahead of the preparedness curve and get daily briefs from Wes delivered privately to you, Wes is giving Survival Show podcast subscribers $1 off the normal monthly subscription cost of $5. So for only $4 a month, you can get daily intelligence briefings from Wes when you go over to graymanbriefing.com and enter code GBCUST at checkout. All right, that's about it. Thanks for joining us today. Until next time, keep it simple, be positive, and stay sharp. <laughs>